Hello friends, this is Zach Wiseman of Some Nobodies. I wanted to send out a couple quick messages. Number one, sorry that this podcast is a little bit later. We had some technical difficulties, which is why you're not going to hear Suzanne. We tried to do a new streaming thing. It just did not work out properly. So I do apologize. We'll have Suzanne on the next episode and she'll recap what her views are on episode two. And secondly, and more importantly, we wanted to throw a quick shout out to our Patreon. Um... We have some awesome support all around and just wanted to say a very sincere thank you to Scott Curtis, to Sarah Tkachkik, Sarah Tkachkik, and Tana Shoth. Thank you folks very much. We really appreciate it. And if you have an interest in helping us support any of our shows and all of our endeavors, please go over to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. We're trying to do some pretty interesting things and we need some support and we do appreciate it. So thanks. Also want to throw a quick shout out to Terrapin Care Station. They've been super great. Thank you for becoming some nobodies. We love you. Now enjoy the show. Did you hit? (laughs) I did. How? What do you mean? With what hand? Your hand was in the air the whole time. Uh I have a second hand, Zach. All right. Hello, everyone listening. We are some nobodies. My name is Dylan. I'm here with Zach of some nobodies. I'm here with Harrison of Some Nobodies and Mitch of Some No, Some Nobodies. Ah oh, oh, man, I flood my first line every Starts time. Starts already. Yeah. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Doing well. Yeah. Fantastic. In? Cool. We are here to discuss episode two of Lovecraft Country, the HBO adaptation of the novel of the same name by writer Mark Ruff. The episode synopsis for two. Do you think Mark Ruff feels like he's always been just in a, like one of those abbreviations for Mark Ruffalo's name the whole time in his life? Ooh. Hmm. I guess within the last like 15 years is probably kind of a thing. It's like, am I just an abbreviation it's of like, Wait, are you related to Mark Ruffalo? Also, like, well, here's, a, here's a weird question for you, Mitch, specifically. Yeah. Mark Ruff is a white man. The majority of this book revolves around the black experience in the 50s surrounding sci-fi and horror. What do you think it's like as a white man writing about racism in the 50s? I mean, I think you have to be real careful about it. I think that you are taking on a really big, daunting task, and if you don't do it properly, then it's not going to get the right message across. Yeah. I feel like Lovecraft is bringing a lot of uh, things to light, um, almost like Watchmen uh, did that I didn't know about. Um, You guys talked about the sunset counties and towns in the first episode, something I had no idea about in our history. So I think it's he's doing a good job in bringing those things to light, and tapping into what it was like to be a, a black person in the 1950s. Yeah. One of the things Suzanne pointed out in episode one was how uh, Ruff goes into colorism as far as, you know, in addition to racism, mm-hmm. which is a pretty big thing. And I think that they're showing that visually and not really telling you that in the show, which I think is pretty cool. And since you guys weren't here on episode one, just kind of wanted to get your brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you guys think of episode one? Loved it. Um, really set the tone um, for this weird sci-fi uh, show, but I think that the racism as a theme is the prominent story there. Yeah, um, I'm interested to find out what's going on with these cult-like things yeah. and sci-fi elements. But at the same time, I'm learning uh, about our own country, about history that uh, escaped me during my uh, schooling. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. Cool. Question for you, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of episode one, they released what episode two is called, and episode two is called Whitey's on the Moon. Did you have like an idea of, or like a guess of what this was going to be about based on the name? Uh, not at all. I don't, I've never read the book, so I don't know how the storyline was going to progress. Um, I read that title and I was like, okay, I mean, the moon lands in the 60s, yeah. so I, I wasn't sure if they're gonna do something sci-fi with that. Um, and then it turns out it's a song. Beautiful poem, song. amazing yeah. poem, song uh, performance, and it was used so well later on in the episode too. Yeah, Gil yeah. Scott Heron was the uh, author of that, uh, known as one of the first rappers or MC. Really, yeah. I thought it was Blondie. Huh. <laughs> Most people think that <laughs> common misconception. Yeah. So pop culture cheese me. Um, <laughs> episode two synopsis. Yeah, let's get into this. Inexplicably recovered from their terrifying night, Letty and George luxuriate in their new surroundings while Atticus grows suspicious of their Ardham Lodge guests. Christina Braithwaite, Abby Lee, and her elusive father, Samuel, Tony Goldwyn, who unveil cryptic plans for Atticus's role in the upcoming Sons of Adam ceremony. Later, after Tick, Letty, and George stumble upon a clue that could lead them to Montrose, each takes an unwelcome walk down memory lane. All right, quick spoiler-free. What do you think of the full episode, Dylan? 
I thought this was a display of strange pacing. I didn't dislike it. I liked it quite a bit, particularly the genre elements. I was yeah. a big fan of the magic appearance. I was a big fan of the monster stuff. I was a big fan of the occultism. I was surprised because I did not go into this thinking it would be so chapter heavy. Yeah. Because the end of this episode, this isn't really spoilers, but the end of the episode kind of wraps up episodes one and two, as far as the story goes. And the next on shows a different approach. Yeah. Which I'm okay with, but I was not expecting it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the first episode brings you from thriller into horror, and it really sets the pace. And at the start of this one, it kind of slows things down a little bit. Uh, almost starts in a fantastical way again. Like when it opened, it opened with, uh, you know, moving on up the song. And I actually thought it was in our dream sequence with how it started because it was just so fantastic and everybody was so happy about it. But what, what was your initial reaction to the full, spoiler free, just full episode? Um, I liked it. I, I definitely felt the pace change as well, but like reflecting back on it, since the episode deals uh, with memory so much, I feel like that's where they were kind of playing with the timing, is that in our memories, things aren't how we recall them. Things slow down, they speed up, and I felt like that was just like the whole memory homage as an episode. Yeah, cool. How about you, Harrison? Um, I really enjoyed the little... The, the the history background that they gave you, the little blips that you found about each character, maybe not more details, just like subtle revelation on the uh, puzzle, just like a little bit more, you could see a few more pieces about their history and past and even like actually more mystery to it. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed the character development of the episode. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this episode was beautiful, but I will say that I didn't like this one as much as the first one. I felt the first one really put you into a world. It set the scene. You were in a Jordan Peele horror movie. You were in a Lovecraftian sci-fi thing. You were feeling so many different things. Whereas this episode seems like it takes you down a weirdly paced, but a very linear path of this is what this story is about. It is magic. That kind of this thing. This is a genre <clears throat> episode. Exactly. This is not an exploration of racism. Yeah. This is an exploration of what happens when a cult... We're going into spoilers. Yeah. This is what happens when a cult wants to sacrifice somebody. Yeah. And that that's it. It is just, they want to sacrifice a person. How do they do that? Was it the same writer between the first two episodes? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's so, interesting. I wonder this, how they... The production team is the same across the show, I believe. Now, true. Uh, but, now me and Dylan haven't read this book. And Suzanne is the one who's read the book, so that's why we, you know, made uh, her to be a part of this too. But she is the one who lets us know, like, how the pacing is compared to the book. I just spoke to her, uh, she'll explain later in further detail. It diverges very quickly, pretty suddenly, oh. in this episode at the so beginning. I was way wrong about that, That's and all I'm right. excited to hear the truth. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I did learn a couple of things in my research. Um, character gender changes happen yeah. uh, quite often in this uh, compared to the book. Yeah, I found out D was uh, a different character and a boy in uh, the, the, the Son of George and Hippolyta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a couple little things that are different, and also one thing that Suzanne points out, which I didn't see as much in this episode as I did in the first one, was the underlying, like, sexism, I guess, when it mm -hmm. comes to, like, you know, Letty driving or just anything. She was very clear that she shouldn't be doing that as a woman, and that's not in the book, so it was odd that they threw that in there, but I think it's a character thing to make you like her more, or for the I'm Letitia fucking Lewis line later to have that more weight. All right, so once again, the thing opens up in that really cool way where it is uh, moving on up, that beautiful song. Um, George is looking at some beautiful books that he is in love with. Letty's looking at some clothes. Uh, Atticus is not having a great time. They mention in the books he's finding Clark Ashton Smith, who was one of the triangles of weird tales. It was Clark Ashton Smith, H.P. Lovecraft, and Robert E. Howard who wrote the Conan novels. And Lovecraft was very heavily influenced by Clark Ashton Smith, as well as a lot of other horror people. Robert E. Howard and Lovecraft were letter friends. They wrote letters to each other constantly. Hmm. And when Robert E. Howard died, Lovecraft effectively lost his will to live. They were that close friends. Oh, wow. Uh, and to the point where the Conan stories and the Lovecraft stories have some connections that technically puts them in the same universe. Yeah. There are some references in each other's stories to other stuff. So it was interesting to see them pull the other triangle into there. And I'm wondering if we're going to get a Robert E. Howard reference later on in the show. Yeah. The way this thing starts, though, it starts with... Atticus trying to just think about last night and discuss it with the rest of the heroes and they don't remember. What was your initial take of them not remembering? I I was just I 
I was like, okay, so there's got to be, you know, more magic involved. After rewatching the first episode and seeing that car crash, you see that that silver car doesn't get hit at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we're definitely dealing with uh, some more, something magic heavy. Uh, you know, I completely, you're, you're even brainwashed at the beginning of the episode because it starts with them dancing to the music and you're just like, okay, yeah, this is great. Yeah. This is hilarious. It's funny. And you're like, wait a minute. And then you see Tick and it's, you get immediately bright brought back into his world and his aspect on things yeah i thought uh the actor that plays tick is just so great like i could see his face and i knew like okay he still knows yeah like without even like knowing that something was weird or that letty and george were just happy to be you know out of it at yeah. first um but you kind of think about it almost as like um the government will placate people with certain things while they're doing other stuff behind the scenes and so you are meant to feel safe and comforted whereas tick is seeing the larger picture and i like that he hasn't been put under the spell yeah it was interesting uh, it, it did take me a little bit longer than i thought it should have to realize that they were being like manipulated it was when he pulls that book out and sees the hidden interest i'm like oh they're just messing with him that sucks <laughs> i'm okay with that necessarily because they don't waste time to reveal the magical stuff yeah he immediately is like you put a spell on my friends and she goes well, yeah. Yeah. I can no, take I, it off. I like the way screaming. Yeah, I like the way it all went down. I'm just saying that I felt that me, I should have guessed it earlier. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. that was it. I like the way it all went down. Um, then after that, that's when you meet uh, William again, and he talks about the dad being gone for about two days, roughly. And that's when you learn about Titus uh, Braithwaite. Braithwaite? Braithwaite. Braithwaite. Yeah. Braithwaite. Titus Braithwaite, who made his money in, quote, shipping, quote, which shipping. we know now is straight slavery. And was notoriously kind. Yes. Very kind to slaves. Notoriously now, is the kind, word they keep using. Kind is a code word that has been applied to slave owners, as they explain later in the show. Yeah. Where they would, you know, bed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just another incident of whitewashing. And yeah. they call it out in the show pretty early on as well. Right. This, this episode really does not waste time on letting things linger. Yeah. Which is noticeable on your first watch. And I do like that Tick does not have any patience. Like, immediately he's like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Make this stop. I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, the scene where you meet Titus in picture form the first time, um, what did you guys feel about that? What... Like that, that obviously is like the ominous, like, okay, there's some, I think I wrote down Nazi wizards Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. my, uh, notes because I was like, oh, I think that, because they did mention how the KKK, they're not associated with them because they're too, too poor. poor. They're too, too poor. poor. So yeah. I started thinking like, okay, maybe this is like Nazi Germany where they started to learn about the occult and do these experiments. And now they've like migrated over to America and, yeah. you know, picking up over here. I did like the tick mention that like the Grand Wizards are not doing magic anymore or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then we go to breakfast outside. And did you happen? To, did you guys happen to notice what was on the table that could have been eaten? There's a plate of tentacles on there for some reason. Yeah. There's like a plate of just orange Hell slices yeah. and just tentacles. And no one's eating it. It's just sitting on the table, that's which is great. yeah. I thought that was interesting. And that's when we find out that Letty and George have no memory of the monsters. They have a subtle memory of getting dirty, kind of. They have a memory of something, but they don't have a memory of the monster. They have a memory of a car of... crash. I'm sorry. Well, they don't remember mm. the car crash. Oh, you're right. Yeah. They that... kind of don't remember it. They have like Tick... a memory of they don't know what happened last night. They remember the cop things, kind of. Mm -hmm. They remember being shot at, but they don't remember anything after that. They don't remember how they got to the place. Uh, that's when they go to the garage, and Woody's there, and Woody's not fine. hurt. Woody's He's fine. fine. Yeah. The he back did... window is still busted out. So he does mention there was of... some blood in the back seat, which they cleaned out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's odd that they keep talking about this butler and they do not show this person? Nah. No. No? Well, they did for a split second. Oh, did they? When Letty asks for salt. When she rings yeah, the bell. Says, and Atticus uh... is like, what the hell are you doing? But the bar the butler comes out? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, with a tray. Oh. Hands her salt. But she doesn't ask. She doesn't like say, like, I need salt. Or oh, just like comes that. out and brings just... her salt. Boom. Cool. Did not notice that. I think whenever anybody rings that. the bell, I think nine times out of ten is a butler. It's for salt. Yeah. <laughs> that's, true, that's true. It's like, oh, they're white. They probably want salt. Um, no, okay. she says specifically white people don't season their food. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when Tick uh, decides that they should just go walk through town. They walk through some weird Amish town. It's... It is the town surrounding the estate. Right. And like Suzanne said in yeah. episode one that they go through a thing in the book where there are like layers of this town. You have to walk through the bad village and then the nicer village to get to like the mansion mm -hmm. area. Which it's built like a medieval town in the right. book apparently with the, so, the, the, the 
hangar on town outside the wall. City wall, nice stuff, keep. Yeah. And if you look in the end credits, some of the characters who appear in that scene are credited as Adamite. A-D-A-M-I-T-E. Yeah. I did notice a lot of, because uh, I always watched everything with subtitles yeah. on, and it was like in Adam language. Voice of, uh, language of Adam, yeah. which is ancient Hebrew, yeah. or credited as the language that people spoke before the Tower of Babel was built. Yeah. The most interesting person in the show to speak the language of Adam is... We'll get to. Yeah, we'll get to. <laughs> okay, so they're in this town, and the weird thing is, is Atticus is like walking in people's like front yards and like up against their doors, and no one's even acknowledging them. He's so, so aggressive. He's just... He, he is. is. He's like looking for a fight, he kind does of. does not care. Which is fine, but no one even looks at them throughout the whole town. Like, he's walking, he's walking like, in between people playing games. And Maybe a kid glances at them, I think. Yeah. But until not... they get to... Until they get to the stone tower. Mm -hmm. The only then... stone building in town. Yeah. And there's these dogs that are freaking out, and then you hear another whistle. Which the is the same, same whistle. There's also... Atticus is also, like, weird teleportation, where, you know, uh, George and Letty are discussing about Atticus' weirdness, and the yeah. George is like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I'm not on pier. He's yeah. not talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. The lady who has... The dogs has one of the another one of the worst conversations of this, Ugh. where she talks about the black bears mm -hmm. and how the blacks are so filthy and they're always putting their nose. It, it, Five times referencing black people as animals. Yeah, I it think. is so filthy the way she does it. And then she does this weird thing with her hand where the dogs are like just barking and she raises one hand and they stop. Yep. So there's some pretty. They weren't barking because things. they're badly trained. No, mm -hmm. they're barking because they're perfectly trained. Yeah. Um. So she tells them to get back before the sun goes down, which is another reference of. Uh, apparently just black people not being allowed out at nighttime. Um, yeah, there's multiple references on if you're black and caught after dark, this is yeah. not the place you want to be. No place really yeah. is the place you want to be. No. The no. next scene though, we, ha we have the heroes walking in the woods at dusk, pretty much dark time, which you're already just scared, you know, because mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? George stops. For some reason, that's when he remembers a story about a, the slave who ran away uh, in the house fire, where you learned that every single person in the fire died except for one person it's a bit of a convenient time for him to remember it because it is immediately before the shoggoths attack and it was out of nowhere yes he just stops walking yeah which is fine yeah that's fine it's just something so more slogoths come or uh, you, you know they're around um then the whistle blonde lady on a horse just shows up on a horse it's the same woman oh no Chris no it's, it's a blonde uh, lady christina it's, it's christina yeah christina yeah no, also the, the, the blonde lady. and and the sheriff the, 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 yeah, the dog lady Slogoths. Oh, yeah. Shoggoths. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I'll edit that in later. Uh, I'm just letting you know in case you listen to this later and you go, why didn't anyone correct me? Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit out you correcting me and still sure. say it. <laughs> oh, but here's a fun fact about this character is Elizabeth Debicki auditioned and actually got this role first. And you might know her from Great Gatsby. She was also Aisha in Guardians of the Galaxy. But due to conflict, they had to go back to this other Australian actor who, she does a really good job. I, had, I questioned whether her casting wasn't a reference to Lovecraft in the work Shadow Over Innsmouth. A man goes to a city on the coast where they have been infiltrated by great old one descendants and they are known to have a fish-like look, which includes very wide-spaced eyes. Oh. And I just noticed I, the, the actor they have for Christina yeah. has eyes that are relatively far apart. And hmm. I was like, I wonder if that's a reference. They don't end up referencing it in the episode. Yeah. But I didn't know if I caught it as a Lovecraft reader. Is she... I mean, uh, uh, this is... Like, is she, do we know if she's coming back? Like, we don't see her character. We don't or... see her after the end of this. Yeah, any yeah, part true. after the ceremony part. Who knows? That would be yeah. chemistry. But apparently, the lady who was originally cast as this role was is also in Tenet and couldn't do this because of Tenet. Hmm. <laughs> I had written down a uh, when the monsters came out and everyone is like being attacked again, like a big old "told you so" coming from Atticus. Yep. <laughs> and then they instantly forget, and I wrote down "fuck." Yeah, <laughs> immediately they forget. It's like, what just, why, why are we dirty? Yeah, why, why do we, yeah, why, just, why is there dirt on me again? Come on, Atticus. God damn it. That PTSD. And then the very hard. next scene is Atticus walking in on that weird surgery. Yes. Mm. It's just him walking in and like that weird faith healing surgery Christina thing. Christina was told to bring him to her father's lab. Yeah, but I just wasn't expecting me that. Me neither. Yeah, right off the bat. A, a man in a row, you know, in a very obvious cultist robe yeah. is extracting something from a man's torso without any anesthetic it's great you know. yeah very Perseus is it Perseus the one who gets his liver removed I think so yeah Perseus my, in the my evil. uncle my mm -hmm. uncle did he's a heavy drinker though. is your uncle's name Perseus no he got sentenced no. to Uncle P yeah it was Pat <laughs> anyway um, so what did you guys think in this surgery scene Like, you walk Atticus walks in here and he sees this man being cut or something and he's just allowed to walk around it's a power move 
Just a straight power move? Oh, straight power move. You're like, damn, that's a cool move. <laughs> I gotta get cut so more often. That dude's just like lying there and getting cut up. That's how I met you, Harrison. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It worked. I was having a kidney just removed. Just cut um, so next scene, George is talking to himself and he sees the House of the Borderlands books. I just briefly wanted to talk about the discussion he has about Genesis 2.19. Oh yeah. Mm. Where he shows him a painting of Adam naming all the beasts and talks about how Adam was the one given the power by God to name things and put them in their proper place. Yeah. Everything in its place. Yes. And so it kind of gives you the idea of where this cult is mm -hmm. getting their sense of like this, things have gone askew from God's plan. And that askew is black people. Yeah. And that we are... That's the implication for sure. Struggling very hard to get back to a pure white, this is what everything in its place should be like. Yeah. You did jump ahead a little bit, though, because uh, once he goes down into that library, that's when he finds the Order of the Ancient Dawn. Yeah, you're right. And I was asking you about that <laughs> yeah. earlier. And so, what did you find out about that? So the Order, it's, uh, there's nothing confirming it, but the name, the Order of the Ancient Dawn, it's very, very similar to the name of a real occult group called the... Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which was founded in the late 1800s by Aleister Crowley, the oh. occultist, <laughs> and had various memberships, quote, potentially, unquote, involving people like Hover? Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Bram Stoker, and various other writers and occultists of the time. It ceased operations roughly in about 1970. It was based, it, it established a whole bunch of, uh, Magical and present-day occultist traditions, including Wicca, like that's all kind of based off the original development of the Hermetic Dawn. Did L. Ron Hubbard and Aleister Crowley hook up at some it, point? Uh, L. Ron Hubbard hung out with L. Uh, <laughs> uh, Crowley and Hubbard hung out, but Crowley considered him a fraud and a mm. huckster, very, very much so. Mm. I think Hubbard hung out with LeVay as well, and LeVay himself was like, Hubbard's a Hubbard's a scam artist, and then he went back to using Satanism to get. Boned. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but no, the order, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, stopped in like the 1970s, and there have been attempts to revive it with so, groups such as the Open Source Order of the Golden Dawn, oh, which stopped being any sort of official group in 2019. The Wikipedia and group before the Hermetic before. Order of the Golden Dawn Co. <laughs> Corporated. Which I think is one of the funniest things I found on YouTube and uh, in Wikipedia in a long time. Yeah, they do cult stuff and soaps. Right, it's like an incorporated occultism group. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> like they got an Etsy page. I have no idea. Oh, definitely a Pinterest. <laughs> but like, what a Shadowrun thing for a, for a magical group to have a corporation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to make money, I guess. I guess so. I wonder how and many magic just... groups are steeped in racism. A lot all, of them. All, almost all, I would say. Probably <laughs> most of them. Yeah. The Church of Satan is. Pretty equal opportunity. It's just secularism. With yeah, they're satanic they're pretty fun. This is where we get the first bit of colorism in this episode, where um, the guy who's also the bad guy in Ghost is the head, the head, <laughs> the head <laughs> Grand Wizard. Too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's the guy from Ghost. It's cool. And he, the first thing he says when he looks at Atticus is, oh, "He's darker than I expected." And I'm like, God damn, man! Like Atticus can just not catch a break. Uh, that's when I go through the Genesis two eighteen painting conversation. That's when they have, uh, that's when Tick and Christina have the conversation about how the KKK is just too poor for them, which made me laugh a little bit too much. Tick asks for a spell to be removed. She and says, it is. She says, okay. And then screaming starts immediately. He tries to leave the room and yep. the sigils light up, and Did I am in. Yeah. So, I yeah. noticed those on the doorframe, and I'm like, those look interesting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're glowing. And yeah, like, it's crazy. Like, nice. yeah, you're a fan of runes. That's what I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> um, He's a rune man. I guess. A runeman? Runesmith? What is writing but just modern day runesmithery? That's true. Yeah. You, more you mean vlogging? The top, <laughs> top of my resume says runesmith. It's all in runes. <laughs> I don't get hired very often. <laughs> and then probably, so the next thing is probably the scene that shocked me the most. And it was the one that really pulled me back in. And that's when Christina is just running outside to... A cow. A cow. And then she pulls a shog off out of a cow's butt. I, I don't understand what's happening here. What what, Mitch? What'd you get? So first, my first thoughts. Uh, well, I had this written down beforehand. I was like, are they turning the black people into these monsters? That was like oh. my first kind of like thing. I didn't and, think about that. That's cool. And then when that happened, I wrote, no, but our cows. And so I was just like, okay, they hate black people so much, but they're totally fine with birthing these monstrous creatures of yeah. hell. Yeah. You know, and just, just caressing them when they come out. Right. 
hideous. Covered in their goop. Some yeah. goop. <laughs> Some serious goop. Shoggoth. Shoggoth looks okay. CGI-wise. Baby-wise, it's, it's fine, yeah. yeah. It's goopy. There's, there's a vein in the Lovecraftian stuff about, like, replacing the natural order with these weird mutations. So yeah. I was like, yeah, all right. And, yeah. and then once this thing is born, cut to Atticus running into Letty's room, making no noise whatsoever, and being, like, pretty sexy. Boy, fuck. Yeah. I mean, they have a, <laughs> he's they always have a, sexy. We can say that. No, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a conversation about her mom vanishing, and it's very much like a Letitia confronting her trauma conversation. She yeah. is breaking up, and it's a fantastic piece of acting on her part. Yeah. And then it zooms out the window, and then it zooms back into a different part of the house. Into Atticus's room. Yeah, where he is tapping out Morse code on George's wall. Yep, and clearly not in Letitia's room. Uh, I really enjoyed that um, exploration into her character and her relationship with her mother. It made me really question why her siblings had such a different relationship with their mom. Because like after she started telling that story, I was like, okay, I can kind of you know empathize with her and understand why she doesn't want to go to her mom's funeral. Yeah. Like she doesn't have the respect for her for that. So where is the difference in the siblings then? Did they grow up in different households? Well, they all had different dads. Okay. Yeah, they, they made a point to say that in the first episode, where Marvin had a different dad than Ruby, and Ruby has a different dad than Letitia, too. So um, I would assume that that family dynamic is uh, some of it, but... And rewatching the first episode, I was able to listen in on the argument between Marvin and Letty, and she talks about, I guess Marvin had sent her money to come home yeah. for the funeral, and she used it to bail her friends out of jail. So it seems like she's like a civil rights uh, activist as well, so she's like, I'm not... I didn't use that money to just, you know, go and have fun or anything. I'm, I'm trying to do a good thing here. And then you get that family tension of, you know, you didn't, still didn't come home from mom's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> that is your favorite part. Uh, and as Atticus is doing his Morse code, he starts going under gunfire. And yep. then and then we have, um, oh, what's his character's name again? Jia. Jia, yeah. So she immediately starts speaking in Korean and then switches over to the language of Adam which is very interesting, and she's just trying to kill him. So what we realize that we're doing now is that we're in a, a bit of a vision fantasy thing for all three of the characters, where Letty is having a vision that her and Atticus are hardcore hooking up with his weird snake penis. They don't reveal that until the end of the, the vision, though. Oh, true. When yeah. she's already kind of like They're making the out. Yeah, she's like, she's like, hey, She does pump on. the brakes at one yeah. point. And he's like slowly undoing his and thing. Meanwhile, George is having this heartbreaking vision of this woman who is not Hippolyta. Yes. Come up and have a very intimate conversation about when they used to be younger and they are dancing. Yeah. He did pull out a picture of her from his wallet. And so you know, I was like, oh, well, yeah. who is this? Mm. I thought it was uh, interesting that both George and Letty were able to break out of the spell a lot quicker than Atticus was in this ver in this part of the episode, whereas Atticus was always the one that was broken out of the spell most of them. Um, Atticus's vision plays really hard on his PTSD, so he is yeah. wrapped up in it. The other yeah. ones are like, they're confronted by, in George's case, a situation that is effectively impossible, impossible as impossible. far as he is aware. And in Letty's case... It's feels unlikely yeah. i was really i i wasn't fooled i was fooled at first before it zoomed out of the window and i'm like this is really fast i'm like i guess they're not wasting any time on the romance yeah and then it zooms out the window into atticus's and i'm like okay something also weird that is going window on. itself is one of the most interesting windows of anything i've ever seen the art in this house is all illustrations from medieval times that would not be entered into mainstream canon yeah you want to explain what the picture of the window is so when letty is thinking that she's hooking up or about to hook up with tick they pull out through the window and the window is a glass pane uh, depiction of a man tickling a woman's vagina with a leaf which i thought was very interesting it's, it pulls right through that and then right into tick's room it's that one you used to replace your front window in your apartment today when i came over yeah i know yeah it's it, beautiful it, by the way if you follow us on instagram you'll see it tomorrow <laughs> the, the way the sunset hits it those colors just pop i know it's odd you know that because it's not sunset yet uh, <laughs> There's too much smoke in the air to see it. I know. Uh, one thing I didn't notice was that uh, Jiha is the same alien woman mm -hmm. from the vision in the first episode. Yeah, so this is definitely the woman that he spoke to on the phone from episode one who may be dead. Mm -hmm. So who knows now? Like maybe he's doing a Rick thing and calling somebody on the phone. Maybe he killed one of her, maybe he killed her brother. And that is part like his vision is putting that together the dinner bell rings and then they are all kind of snapped out of their respective spots but first 
we see from George's point of view, it zooms out into a portal where all of the people are watching them suffer collectively. Yeah, I wrote down it made me feel like a Mandingo uh, fight, like from Ugh. Django Unchained. Yeah. Where they're just like in the enjoyment of black people suffering. Just suffering. Yeah, this was the part of the, of the show where I felt just icky. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, they're putting these people through something just for entertainment purposes. They're drinking. And then the dinner bell rings, and they all come out awkwardly. They're just standing in the hallway, and they're looking at each other, and they all kind of know that they all have gone through something, and Letty's looking at Tick, because like, he's like, yeah, I'm trying to bang a little bit. Uh, and it's <laughs> it's a little bit weird out there. She's like looking down like, is it a snake? Yeah. <laughs> like, now she's curious. She wasn't before. <laughs> now she is. What's a circumcised snake look like? A snake with no fangs. Mm. A turtleneck. <laughs> it's a dog. Let it's, it have its ears. Looks the same. <laughs> um, and they're all sitting there struggling with the visions and getting scared. Uh, but then, quote, Letitia fucking Lewis don't get scared. So they're they teams, reconcile. teams back together again, which is cool. Yeah, then George kind of pulls them all into it. Back yeah. into, like, hey, we're okay. That wasn't real. Yeah. We can move on. And they're really setting him up. The way that he gets pulled out of the vision and the way he kind of pulls them back together and how he handles the scene later, they're really putting him as the backbone of his character. He's the heart. For... Uh, a very good purpose later on. But dinner time. Oh, also, it turns out that Letitia is not invited to dinner. Nope. Yep. Because she's a woman. Yep. Which is cool. Yep. By GTFO, cool, I mean stupid. If you're a woman. Exactly yeah. endorsed. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you do your dinners here. Yeah. So at dinner time, uh, there's a lengthy speech. Oh, Suzanne's not here. I know. <laughs> not play that for her later. No. Um, a lengthy speech, and then they're all served slivers of liver. This is probably liver, right? Probably. Oh, it, it is liver. Yeah. Torso. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's like just belly meat, nah. but I would assume you it's... you can have your liver removed and still... Yeah. yeah. So he's making people eat They're his own liver. Cultists. But that's when George finds out and tells everybody about the sons among the sons. Among sons um, which... The Dylan, sons of Adam. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a cult, and it's effectively the reveal that Tick is the only living blood descendant of the original owner of the estate. And that, that grants some special privileges among these people. Whereas most of these people are members of the cult. Cult. Uh, Tick specifically has authority within the cult. Yeah, then he yeah. pulls a boss-ass move. He does. Yeah. They, they, they play this group. And then he just orders them all to leave. The speech that George gives is great because he talks about the Freemasons. Yeah. Um, and the reference of Prince Hall who was, I believe, grandfathered into the Freemasons because of this similar situation. He was a black person, they excluded him, but his ancestor um, allowed him to be in, uh, allowed into the Freemasons. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was descended from people who were members of the Freemasons. So it's all kind of mm -hmm. like tied up here. And then I guess Tick tries to push his weight on the main Grand Wizard person. And he, he, del he delivers two very good lines. Yeah. The issue with religious men is when they start to believe it, mm -hmm. and don't confuse being useful for being irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, is it irreplaceable? Irreplaceable. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. And then he walks away. Yeah. Just power move. This guy. This guy is a boss. <laughs> All power moves. Because uh, he thinks he. Has I don't power. like him. Yeah. So then that's when we have Tick and George, and they run right to the dungeon. Yeah. They they don't waste any time. They run immediately to the tower. Yeah. And then because of the County Monte Cristo, he starts searching for the walls. And he finds that room in the back. Uh, then it cuts to uh, Tick's dad, Montrose, mm -hmm. coming up Shawshank style. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I did have one thing. I I have yet to escape a dungeon through a subterranean tunnel. Yeah. But I imagine that my act of coming out of the ground is not going to involve both my hands going up and then myself rising out of it. Well, I think if you're underground, you're not going to dig with one hand. There's you're going an to dig elevator. With both. There was an elevator? I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. No, that you got to get both hands out. Yeah, We've well, all seen Raising he Arizona. did have his handcuffs, <laughs> so there was only one way. I get, oh, I guess that's true. See, there I you go. I would go first. Because the, then Letty is you in the car taking off the handcuffs with the knife. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, she's going to stab him. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, yeah, so we meet Montrose for the first time. and then Lovely they, man. Just great man. Really loves his son. Yeah. Very appreciative. He's a great father. <laughs> <laughs> Very appreciative. Really yeah. by example. Uh, and Played by Michael K. Williams of The Wire. Yeah, Michael K. Williams, almost of Solo. He's great. Brilliant. Yeah. Community. Yeah, <laughs> community. So they all leave together, and then as they're driving away, deciding that they're 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 going to dip, they're out. They smash into an invisible wall. And you can see the runes carved into the bridge. It's yep. great. And silver car it's gets great. smashed up. Yeah, I like that they took the Bentley instead of Woody. Yeah. Yes. You know? It's faster. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah, it is fast. What do you think about this scene? 
it was uh i thought these people survived a really rough car accident very well and that's possibly also the magic that protected them uh, maybe there, perhaps there's magic in the car. Magic seatbelts. Yeah, well, magic belts. I would. The second they start getting out of the car, Letty just gets shot. Yeah, yeah. shot. <laughs> oh, uh, this this whole scene is just like this is a rough it's just one. Like, whoosh, just yeah. like plummet straight and, down. Uh, yeah, I think I wrote down no airbags, no seatbelts. Doesn't matter when you get shot. No, yeah, it does. Yeah, magic, whatever. She just gets shot and then she dies. She dies. She just dies right there on the screen, on the screen, and then. Through a quick conversation, Atticus has to decide who gets shot next. We don't see that. We just hear a sh gunshot off screen. Uh, turns out that it was George. But I wonder how they made that decision. Who they were going to. He asked him a question and then he said it was Atticus gave him. a very slight tick towards he does, George. He looks at George. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. I guess I missed that. I wonder that. who you would be more upset with losing. I think was It was, you're going to choose who suffers the consequences of your bad judgment. Yeah. And then he looks very briefly at George. Oh. And then he... Yeah, I didn't get that. And then he goes, wait! And then it cuts to black. Yeah, it cuts and that's when you get the gunshot. Next scene we get is Atticus just being cleaned off completely mm -hmm. nude by four women. Well, he gives uh, gives him the quid pro quo. You know, I will save Letty and your uncle. Right. You have to do this for me. Yep, yep. And he shows that Letty can, can be, be saved. saved. Yeah. So uh, now he's, uh, whatever, he, he knows that he's in this. So Letty freaks out a little bit because now she's not dead. Um, <laughs> George and the dad talk. And there's, there's, it's a very interesting conversation because it pretty much reveals that Montrose is not Tick's dad. Right? Yep. It, it yep, at definitely. least it lays the doubt in our mind. Yeah, that it could be somebody else. But through the the scenes that you get, Atticus sees a pregnant woman in that same house, and then through the culmination of the spells and whatever the house starts crumbling, where he follows her out. It's the same woman that George has the vision of earlier that he's dancing with. I don't think so. No, that's the ancestor. That's the ancestor that burned down the house. The oh, that was slave. the one who, the, yeah. the slave who ran She's away? She's pregnant. Oh. She has the Book of Man with her. Okay, cool. Yeah. The Book of Life? Book of yeah, Life, I guess yeah. I, oh yeah, the, the, the not. Not the Necronomicon. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. Necronomicon? No, it's the Book of Death. Then the house just implodes because. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I think we've oh. gone a little bit he's, ahead. He's getting cleaned off and then he sees them through the oh, portal. Right, yeah. Through the conversation about Tick's parentage and then he goes, yeah, you'll only, he'll only save them if I go through the port ritual willingly. And she goes, men, yeah. you, you got it better because you were born as a man. Yeah, even as a black man. Yeah. So we get a little bit of a return to that sexism of the time where yeah. she is discussing, like, they hate black men so much, but they still treat black men better. And that then she reveals the plan of her dad is, use him, open a portal to the Garden of Eden where time does where mortality doesn't exist, Yeah. Uh, and then be immortal. I wrote that down that, like, so that's your plan. You want to open a door to the Garden of Eden. But if you believe in this stuff already, if you died, wouldn't that be where you're heading anyway? Um, classic Christian theology does not say that the Garden of Eden and the afterlife are the and same heaven, thing. Okay. Uh, and Gnosticism especially so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you would go to, like, a gate. Right. Yeah. You always go to a gate. Heaven. Yeah. Is that is that the, the garden's bearded, gate? A bearded guy yeah. telling you whether or not you get in it. He's got like a scroll. <laughs> yeah. Do you have your ID? We don't take sideways large. IDs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tick is now being hurt uh, by this spell, which has plants coming out of the portal. That's when he sees the pregnant woman. He screams and burns literally everything. All glass breaks. Tick runs after the woman through the portal. Well, something comes Turns out of his ring. It's like a smoky... A, a black, yeah, the, so black, the black stuff. He's getting like hit by essence. the electricity from the generators. Yeah, and then the he's shooting a golden light into the arch. And then it's growing plants. And then a black smoke comes out of his ring and goes up his arm. And yeah. then he shouts and it disperses the entire energy of the ritual. And either kills or turns everybody to stone. Mm -hmm. I don't I, remember him getting that ring. <laughs> yeah, but I remember him having it. <laughs> they put it on him when they were cleaning it. He's wearing it in a scene earlier in this. I remember seeing the scene earlier, and I remember when he's holding his hand up. I'm like, where'd that ring come from? But um, so then, Tick runs, mm -hmm. building implodes. Mm -hmm. He's following specifically the ghost, the vision of the pregnant slave. Yeah. And as she's it's running, history repeating. Yeah. As she's running, it kind of, it plays like a like a slice of the fire through the mansion. That's pretty. Yeah. It's a pretty yeah, cool thing. Yeah. And she turns around and she like. I'll see you later, kid. Yeah. Wink. And then she disappears. So she burnt down a place and Tick just crumbled the place. There was yeah. no fire on Tick's end, but it was really Did she start the fire or was it the ritual? I think it was part of her... I think it was whatever... She probably did the same thing that Tick did in reversing the magic and for 
I guess her end of it is she just right. used the, the sun's energy more. Yeah, that was wild. Something interesting uh, in doing some research about this, um, Spike Lee uh, came out talking about the magical uh, black man. And that in movies, you only have a black character who is good for a magical purpose, and that is it. That usually that magical purpose doesn't serve uh, them in any way, but only the people around them. So you can think about Green Mile, uh, Stephen Legend, King. Legend is, of Bagger Vance. Yep. Stephen King is <laughs> totally, uh does this over and over again. I actually used that video, a uh, movie in that really? video, explaining it, because there's the uh, character, the guy who plays Falcon. Um, oh, yeah. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he's Matt, Matt Damon's yeah. uh, guide. He's oh, his yeah. adjuster. Mm-hmm. And basically sacrifices oh, himself yeah. to help Matt Damon. Yeah, so it's an interesting concept that they kind of bring that into light here of the the magical Negro, yeah. uh, as uh, Spike Lee put it, and uh, how it's breaking that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really cool. It's been a fixture of like pop that. culture for a long time. Yeah. And it's only recently, within the past decade or so, that it's been analyzed and kind of started to get turned on its head. Yeah, I like that they're using it mm-hmm. as a storytelling technique Quite now. Quite literally, yes. in this case. Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. So after his house blows up or implodes, that's when you get some of Tick's, I think, best acting. It, he really sells it. Yeah, scene. he is broken. Uh, Letty runs up to him, and he's more broken. And you can tell he's almost like, kind of wants to kiss her, but doesn't. And it's just broken, but then needs to see more people. And that's when... He asks about George, and she doesn't respond. Right. And he breaks even more. Yeah. And then he runs up to Woody... And that's when we find out that George is dead in the back seat. His brother's holding him. Crying great, as well. Great scene. Uh, solid ending. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great ending to a, a good episode. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought about it like one and two almost as a whole thing. Yeah. So yes. if you watch them separately, yeah, two's going to have that little bit of a drag. But that's because you're getting into your third act and like you're wrapping up everything. Uh, whereas Act 1 and 2 are your first episode. If you put them together, like Harrison and I watched them pretty much back to back. We watched, we rewatched the first one, and then I think we had to wait an hour before the uh, second one aired, and then watched that one, and it does feel almost like a movie, a complete, here is this like chapter ending. Yeah, and I think for me, when watching this back, and like I said, I didn't like this one as much as the first one, but I think looking at, at it with that scope, as it's a second half of something, probably makes me like it more and I'm gonna go back into a watch them both together again as one whole thing and compare them together as, as a unit which I think is probably just cute he is gorgeous I know like look at it again you get it again I can wrote down damn white people are weird <laughs> you write that down every day though I do it's, <laughs> it's my daily information yeah I think everybody in retail writes that down <laughs> every day white people are weird alright and then you... they leave the, and yeah. yet, well, not even leave it. Cuts to black where yeah, Atticus crying. Cuts there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's it. Yeah. And then the previews kind of set up a completely different, almost like yeah. it almost seems like there's a jump in time. Um, yeah, it's almost like a, a whole different story almost. Yeah. Do you want to read? The... Do you want to go through the episode three summary? Just yeah. Go ahead and read the synopsis. Of so looking ahead, episode three is titled "Holy Ghost," hoping to mend her relationship with her sister Ruby, played by Winmi Masako. Letty turns a ramshackle Victorian on Chicago's north side into a boarding house, an endeavor that stokes neighborhood racism and awakens dormant spirits stuck in the house. Meanwhile, Atticus remains burdened by a guilty conscience as George's wife Hippolyta, played by Angenou Ellis, presses him for the full story of what happened in Artem. So it's very much a continuation of the previous ones, but it looks like, and I don't, I haven't read Arkham Con- or Lovecraft Country, but. It would make sense to me if there are multiple parts to the novel and each one deals with a different aspect of Lovecraft's work. Mm. This first one is very much cults and a search for the immortality. Yeah. The second one is probably going to be weird suburbia or city, like the strangeness of the city, because Lovecraft moved to New York after he got married and hated it. Yeah. He mm-hmm. despised living in the city. So much so that his wife divorced and moved to California eventually. Mm. And then he moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and died there eventually in his house. Wasn't and, because he was a racist. Well, yeah. Um, he hated he hated the culture of the city. Yeah. And then it's also going to deal with ghosts. Lovecraft wrote about ghosts, but it's not what people talk about when they talk about Lovecraft because it's not his most famous one. But Reanimator yeah. is a ghost story, effectively. Yeah. Uh, it's about the weirdness of resurrection. So it looks like this might be semi-episodic anthology kind within itself. Yeah. But there are very much clues that it is going to build off of the themes established in these first two episodes. Do you think George is dead, dead? Yes. I think I think it holds more weight that way. I think you're going to learn more about Hippolyta. Uh, Hippolyta. 
Hippolyta. Hippolyta, yeah. I think that she's going to take over the book. Um, I think that there's more character development with him being gone. I wouldn't be surprised if we... Oh, That's I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back wrong in some way. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can edit this in. Uh, just staring at the TV, uh, Christina's the one that gives him the ring, and that's where that line of, you're a black man and did nothing and earned this, I've been trying to get this my whole life, and because I'm a woman, I will never get this. It's got yeah. the magic sigil on it that they use for all of their spells in the house. And he does have a comeback to her. Like, you're doing this for a bunch of men that don't want you around too, mm -hmm. so... Well, that initiates a conversation, yeah. Oh, that's okay, yeah. So based on that summary of next week's, what do you think's gonna happen, Mitch? Um, or what do you want to see, I guess? Yeah, uh, seeing the preview, it, it has this different feel. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering if we are going to get vignettes of this uh, group of people going through this weird sci-fi discovery, um, as well as dealing with racism throughout the whole entire time. Um, and it's just going to be kind of those throughout? Or is it going to be this overarching connecting of the stories into one large thing. I'm, I'm confused, but I'm excited to find yeah. out. Yeah, cool. What do you got, Harrison? I am hoping for, definitely, I want more horror. I definitely want to be, I'm literally looking forward to being more scared. I love haunted houses and ghosts and everything. I'm uh, excited for that aspect of it. I want to see, I think you can see a glimpse of them grabbing out of the Necronomicon or something from the house before they leave, so I'm excited to see where that divulges. And I really interested to see how his relationship with uh with his dad uh, develops well. yeah yeah i'm pretty excited to see i'm assuming that this is gonna follow them so there's that like this family is gonna follow him i'm also pretty curious to see how the dad's going to react to not being a father i think that's too much in his brain so i think mm -hmm. you're gonna get a lot of that that's why he treats Zacchaeus like shit already yeah no. what about you uh, I mean, I'm in for the ride. Yeah. I'm If they're doing different tonal stuff and different genre stuff every few episodes, I think that's a good way of, like, covering the content of Lovecraft's work while also connecting it to racism in America. Because it sounds like they're moving into a white neighborhood. Yeah, and if you watch the preview, there's a, group of kid, there's a group of white guys out there lined up in a threatening posture. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to whatever they're bringing. Um, I'm looking forward to however the family might clue back in or at least the monsters because I just re I read some production articles and there are references to monsters throughout so I'm curious how yeah. that's going to tie back in yeah but ghost sounds pretty interesting ghost here. sounds pretty cool and there's yeah. some shots in that coming up on that look pretty ghosty yeah, yeah the picture that Letty takes and has like the two blurred faces on someone it someone slamming into the ceiling mm. yeah pottery ghost yeah oh ghost yeah right, ghost <laughs> we had Toby Goldwyn <laughs> see Alright. Oh, it's all it's all coming together. It's all oh, coming together. Oh, finally. Finally. I was like, is this guy always playing Nazis or something? We haven't seen any Nazis yet. No, like, but but outright Nazis. But yeah. the character, like the actor Tony Goldwyn, I feel like he just like is such a good Nazi. Yeah. He's, He's just, featured. He is he, and Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. He oozes it. Um, I wonder if they're gonna ever tie the the occult Nazis in because this is the time when America would be bringing them over to work on the rocket program. Mm -hmm. True. And Chef Boyardee. Well, that's, that's it. A, that's a reference to a different podcast. Uh, we offer, never. Right? Yeah. I mean, we we didn't talk about the poem "Waiting on the Moon" uh, at all. Oh really, yeah. Um, which is the title of uh, the episode. Did I skip all that. It's um, it's during the ritual. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to read in with that? Yeah. It's um. It was it was interesting. Um. I'd never heard it before, and it really kind of does paint a picture for a black person during this time of like, why are you spending money to go to the moon when all of us are suffering right now? you have this money to do this, but you don't have it to fix our neighborhoods or our infrastructure or nope. anything. Um, yeah, especially when it's the taxpayers that put people on the moon. Exactly. So that was pretty, you know. It was, that yeah. was, the way they're doing speeches over top of, like, <sighs> scenes moments. is so like, beautifully done. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've seen that so well pulled off like before, of just having like like an episode one where they have that straight racist speech over top of like those little clips of them like and the enduring Jackie, racism. And they also had the Jackie Robinson quote in the very beginning of yeah. the two being read over and then all right, Jackie Robinson. Right yeah, yeah this, this show's really really interesting. I, I like I like it's a lot. It's very well put together. Yeah. yeah, they're doing a good job. Sometimes when they put in like 
modern themes or music, it's jarring, you yeah. know, and it takes you out of the time period or whatever. But hearing the Jefferson's theme or modern hip hop or anything like that, it just feels right. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, ha, Jefferson theme fits perfectly here. It doesn't matter if we land on the moon in 1969. We're talking about it now. It just all fits together with everything. Yeah. I agree. Everything in its place. All right, Dylan, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, sure. So you've been listening to Some Nobodies Discuss Lovecraft Country. These are our opinions on episode two. You can keep tuning in every week where we will continue discussing the show with some guests. We'll figure out who those are every episode. You'll probably see these two again at some point. At least hear them. At least hear them. We yeah. never leave. That's true. This is an audio medium. <laughs> yeah. If you're seeing them, that's probably pretty weird. You can also hear all four of us and more on the other projects we do, which include Silicon Angel Season 1, now completely wrapped up and available on any platforms, the Podcast Podcast, a podcast show in which Zach and I review podcasts and discuss them. Uh, this show, obviously. I'm going to plug our own show on the show. You might as well. You can see Zach and I engage in a writing room every 90 minutes starting at 2.30 Mountain Time. I think it'd be me there instead of I, but that doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> you, you do the outro next time. He can say me. <laughs> well, I'll just say it right, whatever it and is. And then that's every 2.30 Mountain Time, uh, 4.30 Eastern Time, 90-minute writing room where Zach and I discuss an idea, and we... Try to put that into something we can pitch to someone because we desperately want to get hired to make content. Yeah, and Dylan can, wants to get on Quibi. And you can pay us to make content by going to our Patreon slash Some Nobodies. Mm -hmm. You can find everything we do at an easy locatable place at somenobodies.com. Yep. I think that's everything. That's it. You can find me anywhere you find anything online at Noahbody. You can find me and everything I do everywhere at Vorpal Words. And this is the webs, Mitch and Harrison. And you can find them at Some Nobodies also. I don't know yeah. if you guys want to if you guys want to pitch your personal stuff or any projects you have out there, by all means, do it. In the future, be on the lookout for Two Idiot Brothers, a video game uh, streaming site service. If Whatever we are. If you're listening to this in the future, in the future, look for Two Idiot Brothers. Currently. All cool. Right. <laughs> thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. We appreciate thank everyone listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Tune in next time, and thank you to Jared Gleason for this awesome music you're listening to right now. Sputnik. It was used with permission. Yes, and if you're still listening, you'll hear the audio version of the commercial for episode three. Yeah. Bye. 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 I have a face for podcasts. And <laughs> you definitely do. Stop. It's your turn. Who are we talking to? How would you like to never pay rent again? Where'd you get the money to buy yourself a house? Move to the north side. It's nice. If history is any indication, you won't last very long. What you told me happened to my husband. Something doesn't feel right. Here we go.